0: all that i have to say for the next 30 or 35 minutes is well summarized in one sentence and that is pride goes before fall it's not my statement this is what we find in proverbs 16:18 the wise sage says Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And the opposite of this truth is grace and humility restores a person from the destruction or the fall. You might have read the story now. The story of Daniel 4 about a king who had a strange dream the book of Daniel is all about the book of Daniel is all about thank you dreams and then hymns the king dream sees dreams and there's an interpretation and the king praises God or the other way, And then Daniel sees sees dreams. It's a book of dreams. Let me tell you the story in an action. King Nebuchadnezzar, or just read the ruler of Babylon at that time, had a a dream that really frightened him. Now you have dreams, I used to have dreams, and uh, some dreams frighten us. Some dreams comfort us. Some dreams warn us. Sometimes dreams are simple. The, 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 the trick of our subconscious mind. Uh, that, uh, the trick that plays the subconscious mind plays. Here is the dream of a great tree. A huge tree. It grew and grew and grew. And its branches reached up to heavens. Not the uh, its it top. Touch was reaching to the heavens, and its branches were spread all around. And then on the tree the foliage was the foliage was very rich. And on the tree there was plenty of fruits. On its branches, many birds came to rest, to roost, and under the shade of the shade of the tree there were a lot of wild beasts which found shelter. While King Nebuchadnezzar was watching this tree, suddenly the Bible says, or the English Standard Version of the Bible says, a watcher came down from heaven. A watcher is a word which which describes an angel or a heavenly being. A heavenly being just came down from heaven and declares something declares that, let the branches be chopped off and the tree, the branches are completely chopped off, its leaves are scattered and its fruits are scattered but the watcher, the angel says, just keep the stem, the trunk, a small trunk or a stem and secure it with iron and brass belts. the king Nebuchadnezzar woke up from dream and he was frightened and he calls all the magicians including Daniel the magicians as usual would not do to interpret the dream and then Daniel comes and interprets the dream he said in, in, a, in a nutshell this is what he said sir what the tree that you saw is yourself who was first become very prosperous. The empire of Babylon, the emperor of Babylon has prospered. But the watcher came down and decreed this means God of heaven, the God Almighty has ordered that your prosperity, your splendor must be chopped off. You must be cut to size, literally saying. God is going to cut you to size. He's going to chop off. Take all the prosperity, splendor and power from you. And But if you repent and humble yourself, you will be restored again. And that's the meaning of this dream. And the king was frightened again. But the third part of the passage that we read is, That thing really was fulfilled in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He was humble. He became something like an animal. The Book of Daniel says he had clothes and feathers and all that. And he was exposed to the elements, the weather. He was in the cold. He lost his sense. He behaved like an animal. For so many years in history, it is ten years. The book of Daniel says, I think, seven years. And after a while, he was restored. After a while, as the dream, as the interpretation of the dream, he was restored. That's the story. But there is a historical kernel to this story, which is not a fictitious story. But this explains some legend, some story, that we read about a king called Nabonidus, who reigned in Babylon for about 30 years, from 556 to 539 BC. And he was the last emperor of Babylon. It seems that, that, that all the rulers of Babylon were also called Nebuchadnezzar 1, 2, 3, and all that. So, this king, who reigned Babylon, was one of the greatest kings of Babylon. And we have lots of, lots of, lots of discoveries, excavate uh, archeological artifacts in British Museum, and Museum in Turkey, and all over this place, which sheds a lot of light on this great man, Neb- ne- Nebonides. But Nebonides also there's a story also uh, the story goes on to say that Nebonidas had some delusionary behavior he lost his mind and he moved he gave the kingdom into the hands of his king belshazzar and he went to a place called tema which is an oasis where he built his capital on his palace and he stayed there but he lost his mind and he was under some delusionary. he had some delusionary behavior. And he thought that he is an animal. And he started eating grass. And this, are, this is the story about all this. But later, he was restored. He came back to his senses. What treatment he took, I'm not sure. But he came back to his, his, his mind was restored. And he came back to the capital again. And he reigned again. So what's the whole story about? The story about is one important spiritual truth, which is very relevant for those days and for this day too. This truth is important for rulers and emperors like Nebuchadnezzar and commoners like me and you. The principle or the biblical principle. The symbolically, it's all about what we call pride. I read that scripture passage earlier, Proverbs 16:18. This story, in 37 or 38 verses, I think 37 verses, is all about a commentary of one verse in the scripture, Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. This whole chapter in 37 verses is simply an extended illustration, commentary of this verse. Now, why did Nebuchadnezzar fall? Why was Nebuchadnezzar become so humiliated, humble, to behave as an animal and eating grass and lying lying in the open field. Sometimes it happens to him. Sometimes it happens to many people as well. They think that they are something else other than themselves. Chapter 4, 28-30. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon? From the rooftop, he could see the, the entire city. The great Babylon, city of Babylon, where one of these seven wonders of the world the hanging gardens of Babylon was built there. Those days, the great wonders of the world, he, the king was walking or standing over the roof of his palace and he saw the king, the great Babylon. There were these great towers called ziggurats there and sort of a temples and all this greatness. And he said, which I have built by my mighty power. And as a royal residence, and for my the glory of my majesty. This is what really happened. The king looks at scans over the entire city and his palace, and then he remarks, a very proud, arrogant comment he makes, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Now next verse, could you display the next verse? And while he was saying this, while these words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. This is not the dream, dream was over. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is broken the kingdom has departed from you. The judgment of God from heaven is uttered upon him. And he says, the kingdom is taken from you. And you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will. The moment he uttered these haughty words, these proud words glorifying himself and his power and his wealth and his splendor, God of heaven spoke and said, right now, your kingdom is taken from you. If the probability is true that this is Nabonidus, Nabonidus had to face tremendous opposition from his people because he changed the state god from Marduk to Sin and probably he was driven from his kingdom and he had to go and dwell in this oasis called Teman. There was a rebellion against him like what is going on now in our country, the protests against the ruling government and their policies. There's something of that sort might have happened. And he was forced to run to Tema where he lived as if, or pretended himself as if, he is an animal. That's what, that's how the story goes. Pride has a natural consequence. Pride also has a spiritual consequence. What do I mean by natural consequence? For example, it is well known that smoking is injurious to health. There is a statutory warning on every packet of cigarettes it's not you don't know to say god is going to punish you it's there it's a natural consequence if you drink too much alcohol you will lose your mind at least for a while that's a natural consequence of it isn't it there doesn't have to be a divine intervention there. that's what i'm trying to say god when you the, only when god acts then something happens no that's the verse I read again and again and again. I'll be keeping it again. Uh, keep reading it again. Proverbs 16, 18. What does it say? Make it by heart if you can. I know a young boy in my family. Every Saturday we were supposed to learn one memory verse uh, for the Sunday following. And he was a very, very lazy guy. And the only verse, so the father asked, the parents asked them, You got a verse? Yes, I got a verse. You got a verse? Yes, I got a verse. But this guy always had this verse only. That's why I remember this verse in my language. I learned it from him because every Sunday he stood up and he said pride goes before fall. That's the only verse he knew. That's the only verse he took any effort to learn. And he repeated it every Sunday, Sunday, every Sunday. So pride goes before fall. That naturally happens. Everything that goes up has to come down. That's what we say. Everything that goes up naturally has to come down. They say that about the stock market. That when the price shoot up, then wait, don't buy then, because the price will come down too the following day. There's a spiritual reason also for the thing is that Therefore it says, James 4.6, I was trying to read that, James 4.6, James says, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. So that's a spiritual reality there are two things here or four things or two pairs pride and God's opposition to pride the next pair is humility and God's gift of grace there are two pairs here what are they pride and God's opposition God is opposed to all those who are proud and God gives grace to those who are humble. First Peter 5.5 5 says the same thing. Likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders, clothe yourself all of you with humility toward one another and he quotes again for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble grace to the humble and god acts against the oppos those who are opposed to him now what is pride what pride has two sides as well pride has two sides in the bible you now when we talk when we say that guy is very proud we don't really fully understand the meaning of a pride pride the pride When we talk about, when we describe a colleague or a friend, or a relative, when we say that man is proud, we don't really understand the complete picture of what is proud. In the Bible, pride means a non-acknowledgement of God. Not being able to see God in the affairs of man, behaving in such a way is what we what the Bible says calls pride. For example, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 10 to 18. But I will only read verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 to 18. You shall remember the Lord your God for you, whenever that says remember, read it as you shall acknowledge. the the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant covenant with his soul to your fathers and as it is this day. Let me read it again. I didn't read properly. You shall remember the Lord. You shall remember that it is he who gives you power to get wealth. The very principle that Nebuchadnezzar ignored. The very principle that Nebuchadnezzar overlooked. What is that? When he was patting on his own back, congratulating himself that the whole Babylonian Empire and the whole city of Babylon and especially his royal residence he is splendor and it is because of his might and his wealth. That is what pride is. He forgot to acknowledge the fact that it is God who gives wealth, it is God who gives comfort and it is God who gives us the ability to do what we are supposed to do. When that element is taken from our thinking, we automatically become proud. To confirm what I said so far, let me read two more verses from this same book. The centrality of God, that God is at the center of our life. God is at the center of our achievements. God is at the center of all that we have and all that we will have. Chapter 4, 17. Daniel speaks now. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers. This is decision by the word of the Holy Ones. To the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets. The truth is, King Nebuchadnezzar was so proud that it is he who achieved all that. He thought it is his might. But the reality, Daniel tells him the reality. What did the angel say? The angel said that you should know that above you is another king. You you are not the ultimate. You are not the lord of all you have ignored that there is some other person, some other uh, reality above you. And that is the Most High. The Most High rules the kingdom of men. Not only that, he takes the kingdom from one person, he gives it to another person, and takes it from somebody else, that person, and gives it to another person. All the kingdoms are appointed by God. God controls who rules what and how long. You have forgotten that fact. In fact, in the case of Nabonidus, who is also called Nebuchadnezzar in this book, the kingdom came to him through a coup. The great Babylonian empire was not built by him. It was built by another man called Nebuchadnezzar It was extended by a king called Nebuchadnezzar I. And it was handed over to somebody else, his children. Nebuchadnezzar grabbed it from him, I just forgot the name right now, and by a coup, by a military revolt. So the kingdom has passed, the Babylonian kingdom itself has passed many hands. You know it. Why do you forget it? But now, in history, Nabonidus happens to be the last king. And then, when he came back, after 10 years from Tema, the Persian king Cyrus took him, bound him, and we don't know what happened to him now. He was killed, or he was exiled, or something happened to him. What happened to him? We don't know. The centrality of God over all the wealth that is created in this world, the health that every individual enjoys, the authority that we have and the power we have, it's all from God and it is at God's pleasure how long we keep it and how we keep it. Because he can change, he can move everything from us. We see it in modern democracy, isn't it? We see that in the modern democracy. We see this in even more modern monarchies. Few years ago, the, the, the monarch of Nepal, the only Hindu kingdom. You know what happened? How the monarchy ended in our neighboring country, Nepal? Not a coup. Nothing happened there. One fine morning, one of the royal family members member, walked into the room where all other members were there, having a, a breakfast or dinner, and he had scattered bullets at all of them, killed the entire royal family, and finally aimed a gun, gun at him, and he killed himself. In one gun, one load of bullets, the bullets were spread at the entire monarch royal family, they all perished in one room together. I'm not saying it's a judgment of God. What I am trying to say is that it's, it's all temporary. There is someone who takes decisions on such matters over all this. What happened? That 25, verse 25 also says the same thing. And you will be humiliated. You will behave like an animal. You will be exposed to cold and heat and sun and all that. You will be eating grass like a cow. And verse 25, the last sentence says, Till you know that the Most High holds the kingdom of man and gives it to whoever he believes. Anyway, sorry. That you will be driven from a man, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be a made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of the, for the seven periods of time shall pass over you. So that's the spiritual side of pride, ignoring God, God's power. Claiming God's glory for ourselves, exalting ourselves, bypassing this truth that God reigns, let the nations shudder. Pride is also, even in another sense, is a very risky thing. What is pride? Pride is an overestimation of ourselves. That is what pride is. Pride is estimating an overestimation of houses. That is, imagine that we are more than or what we are. That is what pride is. If a woman thinks that she is the most beautiful woman in the world, nobody can stop her. If somebody thinks that I know it all, nobody knows as much as I know. That is what pride is. If somebody thinks that I am the wealthiest person in this world, that's what pride is when he is not or when she is not. That is what pride is. Pride is a very risky behavior. You know why? A person with pride is standing on a very, very slippery place. It can trip him in bother Pride, I would say, is a delusionary behavior. What is delusionary behaviour? Delusion is sort of a psychological problem. Delusions are psychological problems. When we regard ourselves or persons or objects outside the self, or having some false belief, I will give you an example to explain that. A persistent false belief about oneself and others. It could be other things as well. And that is what a delusion is. So pride is a form of delusion. It's a persistent false belief. During my student days, during my psychology degree, I came across a man. I've given this illustration a number of times here. You know, a patient, a patient who had a high delusionary behaviour. And in one of my uh, sitting with him, sessions with him, he told me, he is a Catholic, by the way, (coughs) happens to be a Catholic, and he said, I said, why you, Mr. So-and-so? He said, you know that I am made a saint by the Pope. I was stunned. Here is a living saint sitting in front of me, and uh, he thinks that he is saying something. I forgot his name. So, he, he has a false belief about himself. A false belief about himself. That he is a saint canonized by the Pope in Vatican And he said that he has a letter at home and all that. To that effect, being canonized. Have you come across a living saint in Catholicism? They never do that. They never canonize a living saint at all. Never canonize a living saint because it's too risky to call somebody a saint while they are alive. alive, Because we don't know what they will be doing after they are canonized. So, Pope is very wise. (coughs) But New Testament takes that risk, you know that. New Testament will take that risk. The problematic, the most rebellious, divisive church in Corinth Paul opens a letter saying to the saints in Corinth because irrespective of what makes you a saint, we talk about it another time, is not what you do, what you are in Christ. That is the secret of that. Now a persistent behavior and this man also told me some other thing. He said he is going to build a canal. From one garden, those who know the geography of Pune knows it, to right into the center of the city so that we can avoid all traffic jams. What a bright idea. So that is delusion. Delusion is a false, persistent belief about yourself and about others. Now, this is exactly what pride is. Pride is a type of delusionary behavior. That is, you think you are great and greater than others and all that you are is because of your effort and your achievement. Now, when we reach that level of delusionary behavior, it can tip this way and the other way. To this side and to the other side. This is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. In his delusionary behavior, he thought there is none above him. He is the ultimate. All glory belongs to him. But the same delusionary thinking tips in the other direction. When God judged him, how did it tip? From that delusionary, you know, the megalomania, he Delusionary thinking tipped to the other side that he started thinking. Another false belief set in his mind that he is a wild beast, eating grass, exposed himself to the cold winter, slept outside, you know, walked in the sun. Why? Again, delusionary behavior our mind becomes proud, think this, remember this, that same thinking can go in the reverse gear as well. The same thinking, when you think that you are the most beautiful person in the world, that delusion can take you to the entirely other direction as well. One day a lady sat with me for counseling. And I asked her, what is your problem? She said, I am the most ugliest person. And I am depressed. I said, you are not the ugliest person. I said, on the way back home, go to a beauty parlor. You have all the proper uh, proportions for your face and all that. And go to that, get a makeup, cut your hair and all that. she said, no, no, pastor. I have become very, very ugly to look at. And I said, No, you are not. And she said, I am. And she said, I am not like this. I was not like this. I said, No, you were." So she pulled her photograph from her wallet and showed me. Asked her, look at this. This is what I was. I said, What happened to you? She said, I had a bad haircut. And after that, I have become very ugly looking. I said, Hair will grow back. See, I mean, don't take my example. <laughs> <laughs> I say. In the normal case, red hair will grow back. I tried to convince her to correct her false belief about herself. But she was not willing. You see that delusion? You grew up with this pride that you are the most beautiful person in the world. It was a delusionary belief, that is, it is a false belief about yourself, and that on the same coin it flips, then you think that you are the ugliest person. The problem is not your appearance, your belief. Nebuchadnezzar's problem was pride, which in psychological terms is simply a delusionary behavior. Whenever you are proud, this is what my, this is a warning, I grow from this. Any moment I think that I am the greatest, the greatest singer, greatest pianist, greatest speaker, greatest artist, I should know that it is a delusional behavior. It is a false belief. All false beliefs can go in any direction. Any false beliefs can go in any life. So see, for example, many people have delusionary behaviours which have led them to serious dangers. I know people who would take huge business risks,
1: delusionary
0: behaviour, think that they can do it. When they estimate the risk, calculate the risk, they don't see the risk really because they have lost that ability to, to what is that you call them, to estimate the risk properly. They have lost because of pride. They have lost that, that, that ability to have a proper estimate. I know parents spend 50 lakh rupees or more or something around that region to send their children to medical school. By admission. In India, you can buy that. If we go and buy admission, and the child realizes, the parent thinks, as a delusionary behavior, that the child will become a great doctor in 9 years' time. But that is not a estimate. it's a proud, because I have 50 lakh rupees to spend. But the child doesn't do that, and then comes back, leaves that course and 50 lakh goes up in smoke. People have run into marriages. Or in marriage, they think that their spouse is not as the proper match for them now because they have become so great. I know a man who has got a PhD, but he started at a very low level, but he climbed the career ladder and ultimately he got his PhD. But his wife would not travel with him in the same route, in the same trajectory. She is still where she is when they got married. And this man speaks about, I mean, deals with his wife, speaks with her and all that with utter contempt. I said, what's going on here? Because you have a degree and your wife was cooking and washing all the very while you were trying to get this degree, you have looked down upon her. That is pride. This has broken marriages, brothers and sisters. This has broken church life. People walk in and walk out of church because they have a very delusionary behavior. They think they are something and they are not getting what they think they are. Understand nothing? It's all spiritual life. That's why. It's so that's why the word of God says pride grows before fall. Now, the second half of the story, the story doesn't end there, as you know. I already told I already told you the story. The story is that in God's grace, the dream itself. Though God said, uttered through the watcher, through the angel that all branches should be chopped off, its leaves should be scattered, its fruit should be scattered, but in His grace God also said something, but keep the stump and secure it with bronze and iron. That was God's grace. Why? Because if there is an opportunity for or if there is if it is possible god want to make that tree grow back god want that tree to grow back back to its glory to its former glory now this is why this is where we meet the abundant grace of god some people don't come to that point Like Judas, there were two people who were equally guilty with Jesus, against Jesus. One is Peter who ran away and who denied Jesus. He ran away when Jesus was arrested. The other is one who betrayed Jesus, that is Judas is carried out. Now, the way both of these people resolve the problem is what makes them different. Judas Iscariot decided he he was guilty. He was sorry for what he did. Probably he must have overestimated Jesus' power or plan or will of God. He probably might have thought that that I will get thirty silver coins, and but when they come to arrest Jesus, Jesus will vanish among them. So I will get thirty coins, and Jesus will not be harmed. Probably that man might have thought that way. He might have, a, he might have, he probably did not understand that Jesus is going to die at the hands of the Roman authorities. He probably thought that Jesus, of the power, he will use his power to to protect himself. So what he was doing is that he probably thought he would get money. But when he knew that things turned out the way he never imagined. But instead of repenting, he was felt guilty. He went to the wrong people, the priests, who said, We don't care. And he threw the coins there and ran away and killed himself. And himself. Peter had the same mistake. Betraying him was the most serious thing to do. But Peter repented, wept before the Lord. Now, this is what happens. You know, all of us may sometimes feel that we are great. Some self-esteem is important. We all need to have some sense of self-worth. Don't have, live in self-pity and depression. But that should be a proper self-esteem. That's the only thing. Now, while living in Tama, pretending to be an animal, This great great man repented, 427. That was the turning point. (coughs) Therefore, O King, let my counsel be accepted to you, Daniel says. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. He says the whole thing can be summarized in one word. Repent and God will be merciful to you. But this has to happen to you. I can't say that it will not happen. This has to happen. But if you repent, your prosperity will be extended by God. And God did do do that. This man in chapter 4, verse 34 not only repented, he lifted his eyes to heaven. Verse 4, 434. Nebuchadnezzar restored. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. So far, he could only lift his eyes to the end of the to the horizon, the limits of the horizon, and see the expanse of his empire. His view, his sight was horizontal. He had never looked up to heaven. The angle of your sight, view, vision, decides who you are, who I am. If you can only see yourself, or if you can only see what you have gathered, that is where a person fails. If you can only see yourself and all around us, horizontally, all around what we have gathered, then our view is limited. But a vertical view Looking up, this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. I lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. My reason returned to me. I was behaving irrational so far, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation what happened in this verse nebuchadnezzar his recent return to him and he looked up to heaven he had a vision of god and he acknowledges he acknowledges God's due place in his life and the affairs of all men. And he humbles himself. Now what is humility? Humility is to acknowledge the place of God in our life. In the Bible, humility is a simple thing. Simple definition is the way we behave, when we acknowledge God's due place in our lives. Where is God in our life? That decides whether you are, whether I am humble or proud. When I cannot see God in my life, I become proud. Because all that I have is mine. All that is uh, all that I have is, is are my achievements, and all are for my glory. That is where that is when pride sets in. Humility leads to a vision of God, and that leads to a restoration. Now, the main thing in worship, why we are worshipped. Worship properly, because we have lost the vision of God. We are not able to look at God. And as Deuteronomy 8, 10, 18, I read it once or twice already. Acknowledging, and let me read it one more time, there is no problem reading it one more time. <clears throat> for it is good God, verse 18, for it is He, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Amen. <coughs> Repentance, acknowledging God, glorifying him. And that's what humility is. Let me conclude with this. What did I learn from this? I learned a very powerful lesson from this. And my desire is that we all learn this and keep it and make sure this guides our thinking and our life. That all that we have, all that we are, and all that we are not are because of God. We are not alone in our own life. There is no self-made man or woman. There is only one reality that all of us are what we are because of God. Now have you come across self-made man? and women? Yes. Some people say he is a self-made man. Self-made woman. But there is nothing like that. That is the worldly way of thinking. God exhorts one and God dethrones one too. God appoints you as a ruler and your kingdom will be taken away from you and given to another person as well. As the most high desires. That's the reality. Now let me lead, lead this sermon conclude it with one question for us to examine our own life where is God in our life the place of God? There are three possibilities in Lake Nebuchadnezzar God was nowhere in his life. There are three possibilities. in the case of Nebuchadnezzar God was nowhere in his thinking nowhere in his planning nor in his kingdom. That was Nebuchadnezzar. The other possibility that was Nebuchadnezzar. The other possibility is God being on the periphery. God is there, but God is on the periphery of our life. A God whom we need only on Sunday mornings. A God whom we call upon when we are in trouble. The third and the real option is God being at the center of our life. Center of our life. That is a life of worship. A life of worship is when you come to that reality that God is at the center of my life. My thinking and my behavior. My attitude. My value system. My relationship in everything, God is at the center, and all other things are oriented with around this center only. With only this center. When you get married, tell your spouse, or before when you are. I am giving you some example the person you are going to get married say, we'll get married, we hope to have a good life together, but God should be at the center of our life. Either of us, no. The life, the marriage will be built around with God at the center of our life. That's the first decision that you should have. It is not who will work, how many children you will have, What job will you do? Where will you migrate? That is not the discussion. The main discussion, main decision to be taken should be, where will be God in our life? When we two get united. When you move to a new job, better or bad, ask this crucial question. Where will be God or where is God in this life, new life? New face of life. Even when you move church for various reasons, like transfer, job, or buying a new house to stay, or moving your um, your flat or whatever it is, whatever it is, ask this question: Is God at the center of this church? If not, run for your life. When you set up a business, ask the same question. Where is God in this life? When I make a profit, huge profit, when I become the fortune 500 list, make it to that list, or when I am the the top 10 main entrepreneurs of 2020, where is God? Where will be God in my thinking? That is where we become, that is how we become children of God and citizens of the kingdom of God, the citizens giving glory to God. May the good God bless us all. Amen.